Welcome to a time of worship and prayer to connect with our Creator, heart, soul, and mind. In Matthew 22, the Sadducees ask Jesus what the greatest commandment is. His answer is twofold. He replies, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So friends, this time is a time set aside for us to worship and pray, not only with our minds, but with our hearts and our souls, so that we can be transformed from the inside out and love our neighbors as ourselves. My hope with these weekly meditations is to give us space to reflect on what we heard in this sermon on Sunday. How do we take what we heard and know in our heads to be true and let it transform our hearts into the likeness of Christ? So wherever you are, I just invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose and let it out through your mouth. In through the nose and sigh it out through the mouth. One more time, in through the nose sigh it out through the mouth. Inhale through the nose. Seal the lips and exhale through the nose. Just continue to breathe with your own rhythm of breath in through the nose and out through the nose. Genesis 2-7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. So as you begin to notice your breath, I just invite you to take a moment to give thanks to the one who gave you that breath and know that he is as close to you as your next breath. As you're here, just begin to notice what is your breath like? Where do you feel your breath in your body? What is the pace of your breath? maybe even the temperature or quality of your breath. As you breathe in, is your breath high up in your chest or can you begin to let it come all the way down to the bottom of your belly, letting your ribs expand, let your belly expand. And then as you exhale, imagine you're emptying a balloon, releasing that stale air that no longer serves you, making room for fresh, life-giving oxygen. Just letting each breath become a little longer and a little slower than the last. And now I invite you to begin to notice your body. If you're seated in a chair, plant your feet firmly on the ground and sit up nice and tall. Or maybe you're walking as you're listening to this. If so, just begin to notice your feet as they move along the ground. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, begin to relax your shoulders away from your ears. Relax your jaw. Unfurl your brow and continue to breathe deeply, the breath of life. To connect our minds to our hearts and our souls, we're gonna practice breath prayer. The practice of breath prayer is the intentional linking of our breath with a word or a short phrase. Our breathing is something that comes naturally. It's automatic, continuous, and involuntary. 
And when we let our inhales and our exhales represent an intentionally chosen prayer, we begin to live out Paul's instructions in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. So in the quiet of your heart, on your next inhale, whisper, in hard times, and as you exhale, I will cling to you. Inhale in hard times, and exhale, I will cling to you. Take a moment to just breathe and pray it out with your own rhythm of breath, inhaling in hard times, and exhaling, I will cling to you. This week, Andrew shared with us about the letter to the church in Philadelphia. He started with an opening contemplation that said, when we must stare face to face with devastation, hold fast, remember God's goodness. If not his goodness, then his greatness. If not his greatness, then remember his name. For our identity is in his name and what God establishes under his name by his power is forever secure. Friends, can I get an amen to that? The letter to the church in Philadelphia says this, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works, Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Andrew went on to share a timeline of the people in Philadelphia and showed how devastation took them out over and over again by earthquakes. How the name of their city changed several times over because of different rulers and that the people that they thought would come help them rebuild were nowhere to be found. He shared that they seemed to be a city confused about their identity and clinging to the devastation that happened to them. He then talked about the temple that Solomon built and two pillars that were in that temple. Second Chronicles 3, 15, 17 says, In front of the house, he made two pillars, 35 cubits high, with a capital of five cubits on the top of each. He made chains like a necklace and put them on the tops of the pillars. 
and he made a hundred pomegranates and put them on the chains. He set up the pillars in front of the temple, one on the south, the other one on the north. That on the south he called Hakim, and that on the north, Boaz. Andrew went on to share that the name Hakim means he will establish, and Boaz means with strength and power. So as soon as the Israelites walked into the temple, God's dwelling place, they would see two pillars reminding them that he will establish with strength and power, and that what he established by his name is secured by his power. Andrew went on to say, you, friends, that's you and me, have been established by his name and in his power. And before you, he has set an open door to reveal his name to the rest of the world. What if the reputation of God at work in your life began to outshine any destruction you've ever faced? Show the world that your faith in Jesus lasts through it all and can never be destroyed. I'll go back to Andrew's opening contemplation, which was also one of his implications. When we must stare face to face with devastation, hold fast. Remember God's goodness. If not his goodness, then his greatness. If not his greatness, then remember his name. For our identity is in his name and what God established under his name by his power is forever secure. Friends, this is so encouraging and yet so hard. How do we face devastation well? So let's take a moment and just reflect on our own past experiences. How have you responded in the face of devastation in the past? As I say every week, there is no condemnation in Christ. This is not a space to judge how you have responded to devastation in the past. This is just a space for you to have an open dialogue with Jesus about it. So take a moment and talk quietly with the Lord about how you have faced devastation in the past. As we look forward to our futures, let's ask ourselves, how can we begin to respond to devastation based off of this message? When we are down and out, can we cling to God's goodness? If not his goodness, then his greatness. And if not his greatness, then his name. Can we rest securely in our identity as his children, knowing that what God has established under his name and by his power is forever secure? What does that practically look like lived out? For me, that looks like my life group and the community of believers that I have surrounded myself with. That I have a group of people in my life that can point me back to whose I am and who I am in the face of devastation. A group of people that can hold my arms up for me when I'm not able to hold them up and praise the Lord myself. A group of people that can remind me that amongst hard things, God is still good. 
So friends, who is that for you? Do you have that group of people in your life? If so, reach out to them and thank them for helping you stand firm in the face of devastation. Thank them for their example of letting their faith in Jesus outshine any devastation they may have faced. If you don't have those people in your life, that's okay. Reach out to me. That's my job as a life group's pastor, and I would love to help you connect to a life group and help you find your people. So Father God, we just want to thank you for this message. We want to thank you that for the reminder that what you have established in your name and by your power is forever secure. Lord, may we be people that cling to our faith in you despite any devastation we experience. And may that faith amongst devastation radiate your goodness to those around us as a holy invitation to follow you as well. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.